Chapter thirty six of Peveril of the Peak by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. A short, hoffed man, but full of pride. Alan Ramsay. The blood of Julian Peveril was so much fevered by the state in which his invisible visitor left him that he was unable for a length of time to find repose he swore to himself that he would discover and expose the nocturnal demon which stole on his hours of rest only to add gall to bitterness and to pour poison into those wounds which already smarted so severely there was nothing which his power extended to that in his rage he did not threaten he proposed a closer and a more rigorous survey of his cell so that he might discover the mode by which his tormentor entered were it as unnoticeable as an auger-hole if his diligence should prove unavailing he determined to inform the jailers to whom it could not be indifferent to know that their prison was open to such intrusions he proposed to himself to discover from their looks whether they were already privy to these visits and if so to denounce them to the magistrates to the judges to the house of commons was the least that his resentment proposed sleep surprised his worn-out frame in the midst of his projects of discovery and vengeance and as frequently happens the light of the ensuing day proved favourable to calmer resolutions he now reflected that he had no ground to consider the motives of his visitor as positively malevolent although he had afforded him little encouragement to hope for assistance on the points he had most at heart towards himself there had been expressed a decided feeling both of sympathy and interest if through means of these he could acquire his liberty he might when possessed of freedom turn it to the benefit of those for whom he was more interested than for his own welfare i have behaved like a fool he said i ought to have temporized with this singular being learned the motives of its interference and availed myself of its succour provided i could do so without any dishonourable conditions it would have been always time enough to reject such when they should have been proposed to me so saying he was forming projects for regulating his intercourse with the stranger more prudently in case their communication should be renewed when his meditations were interrupted by the peremptory summons of sir geoffrey hudson that he would in his turn be pleased to perform those domestic duties of their common habitation which the dwarf had yesterday taken upon himself there was no resisting a request so reasonable and peveril accordingly rose and betook himself to the arrangement of their prison while sir hudson perched upon a stool from which his legs did not by half-way reach the ground sat in a posture of elegant languor 
twangling upon an old broken-winded guitar and singing songs in spanish moorish and lingua franca most detestably out of tune he failed not at the conclusion of each ditty to favour julian with some account of what he had sung either in the way of translation or historical anecdote or as the lay was connected with some peculiar part of his own eventful history in the course of which the poor little man had chanced to have been taken by a sally rover and carried captive into morocco this part of his life hudson used to make the era of many strange adventures and if he could himself be believed he had made wild work among the affections of the emperor's seraglio but although few were in a situation to cross-examine him on gallantries and intrigues of which the scene was so remote the officers of the garrison of tangier had a report current amongst them that the only use to which the tyrannical moors could convert a slave of such slender corporeal strength was to employ him to lie abed all day and hatch turkey's eggs the least allusion to this rumour used to drive him well-nigh frantic and the fatal termination of his duel with young crofts which began in wanton mirth and ended in bloodshed made men more coy than they had formerly been of making the fiery little hero the subject of their raillery while peveril did the drudgery of the apartment the dwarf remained much at his ease carolling in the manner we have described but when he beheld julian attempting the task of the cook sir geoffrey hudson sprang from the stool on which he sat and signor at the risk of breaking both his guitar and his neck exclaiming that he would rather prepare breakfast every morning betwixt this and the day of judgment than commit a task of such consequence to an inexperienced bungler like his companion the young man gladly resigned his task to the splenetic little knight and only smiled at his resentment when he added that to be but a mortal of middle stature julian was as stupid as a giant leaving the dwarf to prepare the meal after his own pleasure peveril employed himself in measuring the room with his eyes on every side and in endeavouring to discover some private entrance such as might admit his midnight visitant and perhaps could be employed in case of need for effecting his own escape the floor next engaged a scrutiny equally minute but more successful close by his own pallet and dropped in such a manner that he must have seen it sooner but for the hurry with which he obeyed the summons of the impatient dwarf lay a slip of paper sealed and directed with the initials j p which seemed to ascertain that it was addressed to himself he took the opportunity of opening it while the soup was in the very moment of projection and the full attention of his companion was occupied by what he in common with wiser and taller men 
considered as one of the principal occupations of life so that without incurring his observation or awaking his curiosity julian had the opportunity to read as follows rash and infatuated as you are there is one who would forfeit much to stand betwixt you and your fate you are to-morrow to be removed to the tower where your life cannot be assured for a single day for during the few hours you have been in london you have provoked a resentment which is not easily slaked there is but one chance for you renounce a b think no more of her if that be impossible think of her but as one whom you can never see again if your heart can resolve to give up an attachment which it should never have entertained and which it would be madness to cherish longer make your acquiescence in this condition known by putting on your hat a white band or white feather or knot of ribbon of the same colour whichever you may most easily come by a boat will in that case run as if by accident on board of that which is to convey you to the tower do you in the confusion jump overboard and swim to the southwark side of the thames friends will attend there to secure your escape and you will find yourself with one who will rather lose character and life than that a hair of your head should fall to the ground but who if you reject the warning can only think of you as of the fool who perishes in his folly may heaven guide you to a sound judgment of your condition so praise one who would be your friend if you pleased unknown the tower it was a word of terror even more so than a civil prison for how many passages to death did that dark structure present the severe executions which it had witnessed in preceding reigns were not perhaps more numerous than the secret murders which had taken place within its walls yet peveril did not a moment hesitate on the part which he had to perform i will share my father's fate he said i thought but of him when they brought me hither i will think of nothing else when they convey me to yonder still more dreadful place of confinement it is his and it is but meet that it should be his son's and thou alice bridgenorth the day that i renounce thee may i be held alike a traitor and a dastard go false adviser and share the fate of seducers and heretical teachers he could not help uttering this last expression aloud as he threw the billet into the fire with a vehemence which made the dwarf start with surprise what say you of burning heretics young man he exclaimed by my faith your zeal must be warmer than mine if you talk on such a subject when the heretics are the prevailing number may i measure six feet without my shoes but the heretics would have the best of it if we came to that work beware of such words too late to beware of words spoken and heard said the turnkey 
who opening the door with unusual precautions to avoid noise had stolen unperceived into the room however master peveril has behaved like a gentleman and i am no tale-bearer on condition he will consider i have had trouble in his matters julian had no alternative but to take the fellow's hint and administer a bribe with which master clink was so well satisfied that he exclaimed it went to his heart to take leave of such a kind-natured gentleman and that he could have turned the key on him for twenty years with pleasure but the best friends must part i am to be removed then said julian ay truly master the warrant is come from the council to convey me to the tower whew exclaimed the officer of the law who the devil told you that but since you do know it there is no harm to say ay so make yourself ready to move immediately and first hold out your dew-beaters till i take off the darbies is that usual said peveril stretching out his feet as the fellow directed while the fetters were unlocked why ay master these fetters belong to the keeper they are not a-going to send them to the lieutenant i trow no no the warder must bring their own gear with them they get none here i promise them nevertheless if your honour hath a fancy to go in fetters as thinking it may move compassion of your case i have no intention to make my case seem worse than it is said julian whilst at the same time it crossed his mind that his anonymous correspondent must be well acquainted both with his own personal habits since the letter proposed a plan of escape which could only be executed by a bold swimmer and with the fashions of prison since it was foreseen that he would not be ironed on his passage to the tower the turnkey's next speech made him carry conjecture still farther there is nothing in life i would not do for so brave a guest said clink i would nab one of my wife's ribbons for you if your honour had the fancy to mount the white flag in your beaver to what good purpose said julian shortly connecting as was natural the man's proposed civility with the advice given and the signal prescribed in the letter nay to no good purpose i know of said the turnkey only it is the fashion to seem white and harmless a sort of token of not guiltiness as i may say which folks desire to show the world whether they be truly guilty or not but i cannot say that guiltiness or not guiltiness argifies much saving they be words in the verdict strange thought peveril although the man seemed to speak quite naturally and without any double meaning strange that all should apparently combine to realize the plan of escape could i but give my consent to it and had i not better consent whoever does so much for me must wish me well and a well-wisher would never enforce the unjust conditions on which i am required to consent to my liberation 
but this misgiving of his resolution was but for a moment he speedily recollected that whoever aided him in escaping must be necessarily exposed to great risk and had a right to name the stipulation on which he was willing to incur it he also recollected that falsehood is equally base whether expressed in words or in dumb show and that he should lie as flatly by using the signal agreed upon in evidence of his renouncing alice bridgenorth as he would in direct terms if he made such renunciation without the purpose of abiding by it if you would oblige me he said to the turnkey let me have a piece of black silk or crape for the purpose you mention of crape said the fellow what should that signify why the bien morts who being out to tour at you will think you a chimney-sweeper on may-day it will show my subtle sorrow said julian as well as my determined resolution as you will sir answered the fellow i'll provide you with a black rag of some kind or other so now let us be moving julian intimated his readiness to attend him and proceeded to bid farewell to his late companion the stout geoffrey hudson the parting was not without emotion on both sides more particularly on that of the poor little man who had taken a particular liking to the companion of whom he was now about to be deprived fare ye well he said my young friend taking julian's hand in both his own uplifted palms in which action he somewhat resembled the attitude of a sailor pulling a rope overhead many in my situation would think himself wronged as a soldier and servant of the king's chamber in seeing you removed to a more honourable prison than that which i am limited unto but i thank god i grudge you not the tower nor the rocks of skilly nor even carisbrook castle though the latter was graced with the captivity of my blessed and martyred master go where you will i wish you all the distinction of an honourable prison-house and a safe and speedy deliverance in god's own time for myself my race is near a close and that because i fall martyr to the over-tenderness of my own heart there is a circumstance good master julian peveril which should have been yours had providence permitted our farther intimacy but it fits not the present hour go then my friend and bear witness in life and death that geoffrey hudson scorns the insults and persecutions of fortune as he would despise and has often despised the mischievous pranks of an overgrown schoolboy so saying he turned away and hid his face with his little handkerchief while julian felt towards him that tragic comic sensation which makes us pity the object which excites it not the less that we are somewhat inclined to laugh amid our sympathy the jailer made him a signal which peveril obeyed leaving the dwarf to disconsolate solitude as julian followed the keeper through the various windings of his penal labyrinth the man observed 
that he was a rum fellow that little sir geoffrey and for gallantry a perfect cock of bantam for as old as he was there was a certain gay wench he said that had hooked him but what she could make of him save she carried him to smithfield and took money for him as for a motion of puppets it was he said hard to gather encouraged by this opening julian asked if his attendant knew why his prison was changed to teach you to become a king's post without commission answered the fellow he stopped in his tattle as they approached that formidable central point in which lay couched on his leathern elbow-chair the fat commander of the fortress stationed apparently for ever in the midst of his citadel as the huge boa is sometimes said to lie stretched as a guard upon the subterranean treasures of eastern rajas this overgrown man of authority eyed julian wistfully and sullenly as the miser the guinea which he must part with or the hungry mastiff the food which is carried to another kennel he growled to himself as he turned the leaves of his ominous register in order to make the necessary entry respecting the removal of his prisoner to the tower to the tower ay ay all must to the tower that's the fashion of it free britons to a military prison as if we had neither bolts nor chains here i hope parliament will have it up this towering work that's all well the youngster will take no good by the change and that is one comfort having finished at once his official act of registration and his soliloquy he made a signal to his assistants to remove julian who was led along the same stern passages which he had traversed upon his entrance to the gate of the prison whence a coach escorted by two officers of justice conveyed him to the water-side a boat here waited him with four warders of the tower to whose custody he was formerly resigned by his late attendants clink however the turnkey with whom he was more especially acquainted did not take leave of him without furnishing him with the piece of black crape which he requested peveril fixed it on his hat amid the whispers of his new guardians the gentleman is in a hurry to go into mourning said one mayhap he had better wait till he has cause perhaps others may wear mourning for him ere he can mourn for any one answered another of these functionaries yet notwithstanding the tenor of these whispers their behaviour to their prisoner was more respectful than he had experienced from his former keepers and might be termed a sullen civility the ordinary officers of the law were in general rude as having to do with felons of every description whereas these men were only employed with persons accused of state crimes men who were from birth and circumstances usually entitled to expect and able to reward decent usage the change of keepers passed unnoticed by julian as did the gay and busy scene presented by the broad 
and beautiful river on which he was now launched a hundred boats shot past them bearing parties intent on business or on pleasure julian only viewed them with the stern hope that whoever had endeavoured to bribe him from his fidelity by the hope of freedom might see from the colour of the badge which he had assumed how determined he was to resist the temptation presented to him it was about high water and a stout wherry came up the river with sail and oar so directly upon that in which julian was embarked that it seemed as if likely to run her aboard get your carabines ready cried the principal warder to his assistants what the devil can these scoundrels mean but the crew in the other boat seemed to have perceived their error for they suddenly altered their course and struck off into the middle stream while a torrent of mutual abuse was exchanged betwixt them and the boat whose course they had threatened to impede the unknown has kept his faith said julian to himself i too have kept mine it even seemed to him as the boats neared each other that he heard from the other wherry something like a stifled scream or groan and when the momentary bustle was over he asked the warder who sat next him what boat that was men of war's men on a frolic i suppose answered the warder i know no one else would be so impudent as run foul of the king's boat for i am sure the fellow put the helm up on purpose but mayhap you sir know more of the matter than i do this insinuation effectually prevented julian from putting farther questions and he remained silent until the boat came under the dusky bastions of the tower the tide carried them up under a dark and lowering arch closed at the upper end by the well-known traitor's gate formed like a wicket of huge intersecting bars of wood through which might be seen a dim and imperfect view of soldiers and warders upon duty and of the steep ascending causeway which leads up from the river into the interior of the fortress by this gate and it is the well-known circumstance which assigned its name those accused of state crimes were usually committed to the tower the thames afforded a secret and silent mode of conveyance for transporting thither such whose fallen fortunes might move the commiseration or whose popular qualities might excite the sympathy of the public and even where no cause for especial secrecy existed the peace of the city was undisturbed by the tumult attending the passage of the prisoner and his guards through the most frequented streets yet this custom however recommended by state policy must have often struck chill upon the heart of the criminal who thus stolen as it were out of society reached the place of his confinement without encountering even one glance of compassion on the road and as from under the dusky arch he landed on those flinty steps worn by many a footstep anxious as his own against which the tide lapped fitfully 
with small successive waves and hence looked forward to the steep ascent into a gothic state prison and backward to such part of the river as the low-browed vault suffered to become visible he must often have felt that he was leaving daylight hope and life itself behind him while the warder's challenge was made and answered peveril endeavoured to obtain information from his conductors where he was likely to be confined but the answer was brief and general where the lieutenant should direct could he not be permitted to share the imprisonment of his father sir geoffrey peveril he forgot not on this occasion to add the surname of his house the warder an old man of respectable appearance stared as if at the extravagance of the demand and said bluntly it is impossible at least said peveril show me where my father is confined that i may look upon the walls which separate us young gentleman said the senior warder shaking his grey head i am sorry for you but asking questions will do you no service in this place we know nothing of fathers and sons yet chance seemed in a few minutes afterwards to offer peveril that satisfaction which the rigour of his keepers was disposed to deny to him as he was conveyed up the steep passage which leads under what is called the wakefield tower a female voice in a tone wherein grief and joy were indescribably mixed exclaimed my son my dear son even those who guarded julian seemed softened by a tone of such acute feeling they slackened their pace they almost paused to permit him to look up towards the casement from which the sounds of maternal agony proceeded but the aperture was so narrow and so closely grated that nothing was visible save a white female hand which grasped one of those rusty barricados as if for supporting the person within while another streamed a white handkerchief and then let it fall the casement was instantly deserted give it me said julian to the officer who lifted the handkerchief it is perhaps a mother's last gift the old warder lifted the napkin and looked at it with the jealous minuteness of one who is accustomed to detect secret correspondence in the most trifling acts of intercourse there may be writing on it with invisible ink said one of his comrades it is wetted but i think it is only with tears answered the senior i cannot keep it from the poor young gentleman ah master colby said his comrade in a gentle tone of reproach you would have been wearing a better coat than a yeoman's to-day had it not been for your tender heart it signifies little said old colby while my heart is true to my king what i feel in discharging my duty or what coat keeps my old bosom from the cold weather peveril meanwhile folded in his breast the token of his mother's affection which chance had favoured him with and when placed in the small and solitary chamber 
which he was told to consider as his own during his residence in the tower he was soothed even to weeping by this trifling circumstance which he could not help considering as an omen that his unfortunate house was not entirely deserted by providence but the thoughts and occurrences of a prison are too uniform for a narrative and we must now convey our readers into a more bustling scene End of chapter thirty six